where we were last week, okay? Prayer, uh, as I quoted last week, is not a thing that we use to get our will done in heaven, but prayer is a means that God uses to get His will done on earth, okay? So let's don't use prayer as a spare tire in which, boy, we got in a jam. Let's throw out a, a parachute prayer there and get us out of this. No, using it continuously and faithfully. Now, as we go with prayer, today we're going to study the message. Uh, you may be familiar with it. I don't have a copy of it, but there's even a translation of Scripture called the Message Bible, I believe. I, I, I don't have one. I haven't read it. I'm not advocating I need one. Uh, but it just came to my mind as I was studying uh, that there are uh, those who might tote a translation uh, called the Message Bible. Well, let's start with prayers we come in here today, okay? Father, thank you so much for allowing us to become a part of your family. Thank you that, Lord, you bring us together because of your love for us. But yet, Lord, you give us the responsibility and the accountability to make that choice uh, of ourselves. So, Lord, uh, we have surrendered ourselves to you, and now, Lord, we celebrate, Lord, through our times of worship, Lord, through our activity, we celebrate the life we enjoy with you. Help us, Lord, to fully understand the message. And some of the things that Jesus gives us are very, very clear about what we're to teach and preach. So bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, good to see you. We got Miss Green today right up here near me. She's with us. She lives down the street from us on Bentwood, I believe it is. So, hey, good to have her. And she says, ask us to remember her daughter in prayer. I wrote the name down. I'll give it to you in a minute. What is it again? Mildred Askew. Mildred, Mildred lives in Delaware. Uh, it's her daughter. She's got over the COVID experience, but still needs our prayer, okay? And uh, we're glad you're with us, Miss Green. So, we're on page 94 for those of you who have a quarterly. And what we look there is the writer introduces the subject matter. Uh, he calls it the Bible meets life. And he talks about developing relationships. If you have not discovered it uh, yet and you're still trying to figure this thing out, uh, you know, uh, Jesus uh, teaches us that it's all about relationships. And it's a relationship uh, singular with Him that begins this great journey. And as we are engaged in this great journey, we likewise need to understand as we go that other people uh, should become uh, more of a priority to us. He talked about a documentary TV ser series investigating uh, an online-only relationship. And he talks about suspicions arising that the person refusing to meet isn't the one who he intends to be in the show's investigators uh, would d deal with that. I had an individual uh, recently uh, who told me about relationships, said, you know, I got somebody uh, and he named the state and said wanting to meet me. And I thought, boy, I sure wouldn't be driving to Kansas or Nevada or nowhere trying to meet somebody I hadn't seen before, I don't think. But anyway, uh, the world has become so small. Have you discovered it? Because uh, you can uh, get on your 
uh, smartphone or you can get on your laptop or you can get on a desktop. And before you know it, you're speaking to somebody in Dubai. You, and, and as a result of that, there are relationships born in such ways. You know, that's how God works, though, in reality. He brings people unto Him whom we may not know, but in reality we are brothers and sisters. Well, as we look at this today, we're going to go to Romans 10 now. Romans 10, verse number 8. And He gives us uh, these words. The message is near you. Now, this is the Hallman Christian Standard Bible that these uh, uh, notes are printed in. But he said, The message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with his mouth, resulting in salvation. There's two scriptures came to my mind uh, when I read that Romans 10 passage. Jot this down in your notes if you want to. John chapter 20, verse 31. And that says this, These things are written that you might believe. Now that's John's word in his gospel. Uh, These things are written that you might believe. Now for all unbelievers who would come to that passage of Scripture, I would that they understand that great truth, that as they read the Word, it does not make them a believer, but the Word has been written that you might become a believer. But then he also writes in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, uh, John again writes, These things are written unto you that believe. Now aren't you glad that there was a time in all of our lives uh, that we would listen to the preacher preach or the Bible study teacher teach or we might even read our own, uh, past, our, our own Bible ourselves. And as we read, it was all happening that we might believe. But now we're at a place in our lives we can look back and say what we read now has been written to those of us who believe. Well, the greatest privileges that I can tell you that we have is the privilege to be called sons and daughters of Christ. You know, that's one of the great uh, experiences that we have. The writer, in giving us these notes today, said God didn't make discovering and experiencing salvation some massively difficult task. Salvation is near as our mouth and our hearts. So, reading the Romans passage again, he said, uh, This message is near you, and it is so near as your mouth and your heart. I used to uh, use this expression. I used to ask the question, Do you know uh, the distance from heaven to hell? And, you know, people, I'd really get get them uh, thinking. And I said, It's a distance from your heart to your mouth. Why? Because you may believe something about Jesus. He didn't say that we believe something about Him. We believe Him. And He said with a mouth, confession then is made unto salvation. Now, notice the writer breaks this down. Uh, If you're looking at that, he said first of all, or he talks first of all about believing in your heart. 
Do you realize there's a lot of people that believes in their head, but it somehow hasn't got from their head to their heart? Seriously. You know, if you ask somebody they believe in Jesus, they might affirm yes, but they might be, uh, they might be just walking away from one of the most sinful things you could imagine. But they believe in Jesus. Well, the, the difference there, most likely, is that they have been taught from the early years of their life to believe, so they have a head knowledge. But their heart has not been yielded or surrendered to Him. Trust is our reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of, of the thing or person in which we place our trust. Now, in many translations there, uh, that word trust might be translated faith, okay? Now, I, I would venture to say that most of us could say to Jesus what His disciples said, Lord, increase our faith, couldn't we? But friend, it's not taking mountain-moving faith to be saved, if I could just uh, confuse you a little bit there. It's taking childlike faith to be saved. So as we think on that, uh, we, we see there that believing in our heart. I had written in my notes, even before I had read here in this, par- or in, yes, in this paragraph, James said that even the demons believe and tremble. So to that person that says, yes, I believe Jesus, but uh, no, no fruit in their life senses that uh, it is bearing any fruit of the Lord Jesus, we, we need to recognize that the devils believe. Now, we don't have to say, hey, man, you believe, the devils believe, but if you sense that being the... Say it, why? It's scriptural, James 2.19. So with that in mind, uh, we're living in what many consider very dark, troublesome days. And when I say that, as we draw nearer to the coming of Christ, it is not going to be easier. Matter of fact, it may get worse had it not... Because Jesus, as as Jesus draws near with His coming, what we discover is that darkness will grow even darker. He said, believe in your heart. Now, that's what Paul would write unto those there in, uh, those Roman believers and unbelievers. He said, now confess with your mouth. Confessing with our mouth, we confirm our belief in the gospel and the Lordship of Christ by confessing with our mouth. Confessing Jesus as Lord is to set Him apart from anyone or anything else. Let me, let me remind you today, He is not saying that we have to confess all of our sin with our mouth. Now it's alright to do that, okay? But you confess your sin to the Lord. Now if you want to verbally do that, I'd suggest you do that in the privacy with you and God. Because there are some long-tongued people that all they want to do is get a hold of something and be able to scatter that stuff. But hey, that transaction of confession and forgiveness is a private thing between you and God. But now there is a place for a confession with our mouth when it comes to salvation. And literally what we're saying is, Lord, I believe you. And I believe that you died for me. I believe that you're coming back for me. 
Lord, save me a sinner, as a sinner. You remember, even the one who hanged beside Jesus on the cross that day, he didn't even have that many words, did he? You remember what he said, if I remember it, if I remember it correctly? He said, Lord, remember me when thou enterest thy kingdom. Now, he said it verbally. Now, I don't know how many people who were witnessing the crucifixion of Jesus might have heard that. I really don't care how many might have heard it. But I know this, it was a private thing between him and Jesus. Jesus heard him and he said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, confessing with our mouth, our lives no longer are our own because what we at that moment become is we are uh, not only the sheep of his pasture, but we're children in his kingdom. And Paul would say it in another way. He said, we are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in our body and spirit, which is the Lord's. Our inward belief and outward confession go hand in hand. They are two sides of the same coin. In verse 9, Paul ordered these actions, confess and believe. However, in verse 10, he reversed them. He said, believe and confess. Now, did Paul have a lapse of memory for that to have happened? No, I don't believe so. I believe that he is just driving home the truth, that we believe in order to confess, and that as we confess, we continue to believe. Wow, what a great passage of Scripture. Jesus saves us by removing our sin, and His righteousness is ascribed to us. Without turning to Jesus, without believing hearts, we wouldn't be able to make an honest confession with our mouths. The only confession that an unbeliever could make is, I believe in Jesus. And until that comes from the head to the heart, that's not going to be a confession that brings one to salvation. Now, I hope you don't say that I'm being rude or crude, That's just the reality of becoming a child of the king. Now, there uh, is the reality that once uh, that happens, uh, that our confession brings salvation. Salvation, let's don't assume that everybody understands that word either, okay? You know, because some people... Uh, they've been saved from something, or some people might think they've never been saved from anything, so they cannot even relate to the Word. In some ways, as we give the message, uh, it's like that we're throwing a life vest to the person who's drowning. How are we doing that? Well, we're throwing them a, a, a hope. Now, it's all, uh, if you throw the life vest to a drowning individual and they don't grab onto that vest, it's really not your fault, is it? Because there has to be an action for them to reach out. And when you share the gospel or I share the gospel, it's not our uh, problem that they don't get saved, is it? Because they have to reach out with an action of faith. Now, as we read on verse number 11, we're still in Romans chapter 10. Verse 11 reminds us, the Scripture says, Everyone who believes on Him will not be put to shame. 
since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know what I'm really glad He doesn't do? I'm glad that the Lord doesn't really list a lot of things like one to five, you do it this way. You know, because then we would get hung up on the method instead of the message, wouldn't we? He simply said, Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He didn't say we do that when we're six or sixteen, did He? He said that we need to call on the Lord in order to be saved. Now we know there are other scriptures in the New Testament that remind us uh, that we're drawn unto Him by the Spirit. I agree with that. I, I agree that I was convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment in order to see a need to call upon the Savior. So therefore... Uh, there's conviction and calling and response there of confession. Now the writer says in his notes there, the gospel is not for an elite social club where God only extends invitations to those deemed worthy of membership. Boy, if you had to be rich to get there, most of us be left behind, wouldn't we? I would for sure. If you had to have all knowledge in order to get there, I don't believe I'd make it. But he didn't say all of that. It's not, hey, Christianity's not a club. And it's not a place where only certain creeds or colors or continents of people can be saved. He said, whosoever, aren't you glad? Man, I'm excited to tell you today that I may not be a part of an elite group, but I'm a part of a large group. And my group that I belong to is the Whosoever Club. And I trusted Jesus. No matter how good or bad we think we are, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yes, that word there means missing the mark. Now let's not be like the uh, guy who was target practicing and uh, he would just uh, take aim at the post and he'd run up there and he'd stick his target up there and he'd say, See, I hit the bullseye. No, the target's there. We've got, to, we've got to make sure that we're doing it Jesus' way, okay? There is but one perfect one, and that's Jesus. Now, with that in mind, before Jesus, we had all missed the mark, had we not? We, just as uh, all of us are unworthy sinners, we've all had the opportunity to believe and accept the gospel. And that's regardless to whom we came from or who we came from, okay? Jesus reminded His followers of the promised Holy Spirit. He told them that the Spirit would empower them to be my witnesses. Do you remember? He said, in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost part of the earth, or Samaria. And then He even said there to the ends of the earth. He was all-inclusive, wasn't He? He said, you could start at your next-door neighbor. There, Jerusalem, Judea, you could go across the county line or the state line. Samaria, you could even go to some uh, foreign uh, place that you've only heard about. And then he said, if you went as far as the most unknown, furthest place from where you live, the whole world, he said, that's where we're to be carrying the gospel. 
Now, all of us can't go there, can we? But you know, I was reminded of something the other day. I think Clint and I were talking, and, and, and we were talking about how that God has brought the nations to America. No, it's important that we still got, what, 2,500, 3,000 foreign missionaries as Southern Baptists. That's exciting. But I want to tell you something. We probably, when we were growing up, never uh, would even take account of, of the various cultures and uh, continents people would come from and uh, have, have places in America, and they're proud to call America home. But largely what they brought with them was their spiritual belief, if we could call it that, a religious belief. Now, our challenge is to carry the gospel, is it not? Now, there, there's quite a bit of those foreigners in Waycross, and I don't mean that ugly. And, and, you know, if you ask them, do you believe, be sure of what you're asking them if they believe. Because many of them, they, have, they believe in the multiplicity of God's and it just so happens that our God is one of them they believe in. But the Scripture says that there is only one true living God. So he reminds us there about the same Lord of all, richly blesses all who will call upon Him. I love that little word, all, don't y'all? Man, that means everybody, everyone. And I'm just so happy that one day the Lord spoke to my daddy's heart and he got saved in the early 50s. And I don't remember if my mama got saved for him. You remember I wasn't born yet. But I know this, that they surrendered their life to Jesus and I never remembered them any other way except getting in the car every Sunday morning going to the Lord's house. And I might not have been a believer if they hadn't have done that. But praise God, the gospel became my opportunity. And now we can sort of say like uh, the Old Testament men and women, we can talk about the God of our fathers, but now they would say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I can say the God of my father, Melvin, and my grandma, Mary, and you know what, I can't trace the rest of the generations back, but I'm probably a fifth or sixth generation believer. But praise God, the Spirit drew others to Him, and they begin to tell others. And because of that, there's a great long trail of us that will be in heaven because of the gospel. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Now you folks listening and watching by YouTube... Uh, I'm not ignoring you. I know you're there. Romans chapter 10 is a rich chapter. And uh, as we are in that passage, look at verse 14. He asks, How then shall they, shall they call on Him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about Him? And how can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes from the message about Christ. Now, 
as we're looking at that, let's remember, and there are those who have never heard. You believe there's still those in the world that's never heard. Now, we think that they're all foreigners. We think they're all on another continent, but that's not true. Hey, there's people around us that's never heard. Amazing. When we men get together, usually the first thing we want to talk about is the weather. That's just a common, just a common thing we can talk about. We can remember the last time we got four and a half inches of rain and talk about it. You know, we can talk about a lot of things, but one of the things we almost always omit is Jesus. Seriously, God gives us opportunity to talk to them who may not believe. Or we should be telling them, not beating them over the head with the gospel, but loving them to Jesus. With those things in mind, let's just remember, you remember reading about that time there was an Ethiopian eunuch who was sitting in the chariot one day, and then the righteous man come up alongside of him. He said, man, you know what you're reading? That's my paraphrase, okay? He said, no, how can I accept some man guide me? And then he took the word, which happened to be in the scroll of Isaiah, and he explained to him fully that it was so much Jesus. Friend, do you realize... That man believed because somebody took the time with him to tell him. Now, I'm not saying you've got to know everything about the Word in order to do that. All we got to do is have enough knowledge about what Jesus has done for us. You remember the old hymn writer said, What He's done for others, He'll do for you. And the Scripture said that man got saved that day. You know what? That might be, it could be, the first time the gospel went back down there where he lived. Clint was telling me about a, uh, a situation recently. I think we were talking this week, and he was talking about when they were in Africa uh, trying to reach a group of unreached peoples. And uh, th- they never really got a foothold there. But something happened in the meantime that one of those people out of that tribe had gotten saved and the, the, the locals just were waiting to get his head. So to the point that he eventually had to leave and he came to America. And I think he came to New York. And he not only came to New York, but he found a group of people who were from that same tribe in New York that they were trying to reach in Africa. And there was a group of them in New York that got saved. And they turned and they went back to that group of unreached peoples that Clint and them said they could not reach, and they carried the gospel. And I believe he told me that they had a baptism one day in that uh, unreached peoples group and baptized 11 of those people. Now the moral of that story is they couldn't reach the people in their native land But from New York, the gospel went back with the same people, the same language, and many then got saved. You know, it is some truth to this, isn't there? That sometimes people won't believe everybody. But let's remember, they will believe somebody. 
And I don't know if I'm not to somebody they'll believe. So everybody ought to be telling them till they hear it from somebody. Well, look, how shall they call on whom they've not believed in? How shall they believe without hearing him? And how uh, shall they hear without a preacher? Now, I, I've always disliked that translation there with the word preacher. Now, let me tell you why I dislike it. Because then the people who sit in the pew or they sit in the chair in the worship center, if they're not careful, they begin to think that it's the preacher's job to do it because it says preacher there. I think the better translation there is how shall they hear without a witness? How shall they hear without someone who's willing to tell? And he says there, how beautiful are the feet of them who bring good news. Now, he doesn't say your toenails look well. He's just talking about the means by which the gospel is carried. He said it's beautiful. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Then he says this great verse, and we can probably quote it. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now that's a translation from the King James, okay? Because when I've sort of learned Scripture in King James, and then I catch myself reading it from another translation, it's not that I don't like it, it's just... I read it, I'm reading it from the language or from the translation that I've memorized it from. So, uh, he reminds us, we're all saved by the same way, through faith. And he says there, don't neglect that for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 6, 29, on page 99, I close with this verse. Jesus replied, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one who has sent me. Praise the Lord. Amen. We believe. If you're here, and I'm just going to just say this, if possibly there is one here that has not trusted Jesus, now is the day of salvation. Because tomorrow may not come. Trust today. Hey, thank you. Glad you're joining us by YouTube. Let me tell you that next Sunday we'll be studying Living the Message, Colossians, Colossians uh, verses, uh, or Colossians chapter 3, and uh, that'll be coming out of the, the passage here in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1. So read the entire chapter, if you will, okay? Anything before we uh, adjourn and get ready for our second worship today? Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Mr.